we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. When you are free, when the brain is free of measurement, the brain cells that have been used to measurement, conditioned by measurement, have suddenly awakened to the truth. Hello and welcome to episode 123 of Urgency of Change. Season 3 of the Krishnamurti podcast continues with the format of carefully chosen extracts from the philosopher's talks. Each weekly episode focuses on a theme explored by Krishnamurti, and the aim is to represent his different approaches to these universal topics. This week's theme is measurement. Upcoming themes are attention and inattention, accumulation and killing. This is a podcast from Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. Please visit our official YouTube channels for hundreds of advert-free video and audio recordings of Krishnamurti's talks and clips. You can also find our daily quotes and videos on Instagram and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, which helps its visibility. This week's episode on measurement has five sections. The first extract is from the fifth question and answer meeting in Sanan, 1980, titled We Have Fallen Into the Habit of Measurement. I think I can solve my problems. I do not need any help with them. I have the energy to resolve. But beyond this, I come to receive, and if you don't like that word, to share something measureless to man, something that has great depth and beauty. Can you share that with me? It's a quotation from Xanadu by Coleridge, measureless to man. That phrase, measureless to man, is a poem written by Coleridge called the Kubla Khan. And the questioner says, I can solve all my problems. If, and problems can be solved without the help of others. Because the problems are created by oneself, in relationship to another, and these problems, however subtle, however superficial, however grave, they can be solved if one applies one's mind and heart to resolve them. That's fairly clear. That is, if one has energy, not be slack, lazy, and if one really wants to solve them, they can be solved. 
The question is, say that's simple. But he wants to, he wants to go much further. This I can do all that. And I've come here to share something, as he calls it, measureless to man, something beyond all measure. Something that is not given in churches and you know all the rest of it. First of all, we're sharing this together. I am not a Delphic oracle. There is no authority here. I happen to sit on a platform for convenience, so that everybody can see, if you want to see. And that little height doesn't give him any authority whatsoever. And I really mean this. You're not my followers and all the rest of it. So first thing is to realise What do we mean by measure? Because he uses the word measureless. You're following all that? Thought can be measured. Distance can be measured from here to there. And This so-called progressive evolution can be measured. One was this yesterday, through meeting the present, what was yesterday is modified, and the movement to the future, that can be measured. Measured. If you are good today, and tomorrow you might not, and that can be measured. And thought, which is a material process, can also be measured. The shallowness of one's thinking, the superficiality, the deeper and the deepest. As long as there is the more and the less, that can be measured. Comparison is a process of measurement. Please follow this if you are interested. And imitation can be measured. Conformity can be measured. And the word measure in Sanskrit to means to to regulate, to measure. Meditation 
that word not only means not only ponder, think, investigate, observe, but also it means to measure. From Sanskrit word maad, I won't go into all that. So, as long as there is measurement, the mind can only function in that measurement, whether it's long or short, whether it's wide or narrow, it can only function in that which is measurable. Right? I wonder if you understand all that. And the word meditation is all in that word is implied also measurement. Now, the mind, the brain, has been trained, accustomed, fallen into a habit of measurement. Obviously. And is something which is not measurable, if there is such thing, can the mind, the brain and the heart, there are one, can that whole structure be free of measurement? Then only you can find out. Are you meeting? The, ma- the brain I- is, as we pointed out several times, and the scientists are beginning to agree too, so perhaps you will also accept it, because the moment you talk about scientists, you worship them and you think they have achieved something, and when they say also say yes, partly you are right, then perhaps you will also come along. You see, the brain, as we said, is not your brain, it's the brain which has evolved through time, millions and millions of years, and that brain is the common brain of humanity. You may not like to see that, because we are accustomed to the idea that we are individual, our brains are individual, ours, mine, not yours. And that concept has been a constant tradition through millennia. And so the brain has is conditioned to that. And that brain is constantly measuring. The more, the less, the better and the best, the very word better is measurable. So this brain is constantly 
functioning in that pattern. I don't know if you have observed yourself. You can see this in yourself. Physically, objectively, you can see that a workman becomes a foreman, and if he's good, he's a manager. A priest becomes a bishop, cardinal, pope. The apprentice, then the master, the master carpenter. This is the whole pattern of our existence, which are all measurable. And the questioner says, is there something beyond measure, measureless to man? Now, how are you going to find out? We'll share it together, as the questioner says, share it with me. How are we going to find out? if there is something beyond all measure, that is, beyond all time, because time is measurable, yesterday, today, tomorrow, ten o'clock, eleven o'clock, measurable, distance, measurable. And as thought is measurable, if you have gone into it, which you are doing now, please, Whoever the question is, is, please do listen. Is there something beyond time which is thought? Time is movement, right? And thought is movement. So time is thought. Thought is born out of memory, experience, knowledge. That is the process of memory, of thought. And this process is a material process, because in the brain is, in the very cells of the brain are the memories. So it is material process. And everything that it creates is a material process. Right? Please follow this, not accepting or denying, but logically. Observing it in oneself and also observing externally. So, as long as thought is measuring, moving in measurement, can, there can be no other than measurement. Right? Obviously. Now, the question is, can all measure 
end. Measure as comparison. Comparing oneself with somebody else, the hero, the example, the ideal, the perfect one, and so on, so on, so on. If you observe for yourself, from childhood we are trained to compare better marks in a school, the various classes, college, university, a degree, these are all measurements, which is essentially comparative. Right? Now, can can you, the questioner, who is sharing this with us, stop comparing completely? That is psychological. Naturally, the other thing is academically you have to. So, can you psychologically? And immediately, not tomorrow, another day, but immediately, all sense of comparison. If you want to go, if the mind wants to go much further, and Imitation, conformity, which are all the same movement. Comparing, conformity, imitation are all the same movement. Can that movement end totally? In comparison, there is aggression, there is competition. I'm better than you, and all that. And, as we talked about it yesterday, have an insight into measurement. I explained very carefully yesterday, if I may repeat it again, briefly, insight has been as man, as scientists and others have experimented, insight is the accumulation of knowledge, as I told you about the monkeys and so on, and from that accumulation of experience, knowledge, have an insight into the understanding of the structure that is based on the past. Now we are saying that is not insight. Insight is total perception of the whole complex movement of measurement. And you can have only that insight when you perceive it without previous knowledge, then if you, have, if you are using the knowledge, then it is comparative, it is measurable. Insight is not measurable. You get it now?
Then when there is that measureless insight, the whole the unfolding of the whole movement of comparison, all that, not only seen, but ends immediately. If you, you can test it out, you don't have to accept the speaker's word for it, you can test it out. So, What is beyond measure? There must be freedom from fear, naturally. Deep-rooted, conscious or unconscious fear. That's a problem which can be observed, resolved. Because the root of fear, the root, not the various branches and the leaves of that tree, the root of that fear is time. Right? I am afraid of tomorrow. I am afraid of what has happened, the physical pain which I have had, gone, and the fear it might occur again. The whole physical phenomena of pain. And psychologically too, I have, one has done something wrong, not right, not honourable, honourable, I'm using the word in its, in its dictionary meaning, not what you call honourable Lord. And psychologically, fear is time. I am afraid of dying. I'm living, but I dread what might happen, which is the measurement of time. So the root of fear is time and thought. Right? Now, to have an insight into that is the ending of totally fear. When one ends fear, you will say, what is there? You follow? We will go into that later. So, the ending of fear, which means the understanding of time, and the ending of sorrow, If this is not cl- clear, when, if the mind, the brain are, are 
not afraid of it, then there may be something more. But you see, we want to be assured, we want it guaranteed, like a good watch, especially in Switzerland, like a good watch, you want it guaranteed that it lasts at least three years. In the same, we have the same attitude that if I do this, what will I get? That is the, that is commercial mentality, right? If I do this, will you guarantee me that? There is no guarantee. And that's the beauty of it. This is, you have to do it for itself, not for something. And that's very difficult for people. I, one gives up this in order to reach that. Nirvana, I haven't whatever it is, which are all acts of measurement. So in the mind, we are sharing this together, can the mind be free of all measurement? In your relationship to another, which is much more difficult. And to be free of all that is to be measureless and then something totally different takes place. When that is described, that which has taken place beyond measure, that which is described is not that is what is. You understand what I'm saying? You can descri- describe the mountain, shape of it, the line of it, the shadows, You can paint it, make a poem of it, describe it. All that is not the mountain. We sit in the valley and say, please tell us about the mountain. We don't walk up, walk there. We want to be comfortable. So there is a state, not a state, there is something beyond measureless, beyond all measure.
The second extract is from Krishnamurti's sixth talk in Sanan, 1983, titled The Better is Measurable. We live by measure. Measure is time. I measure myself, what I am now, and what I should be. That's a measurement. I hope you are listening, not trying to go off into some kind of meditation. Hope you are listening to find out for yourself and from nobody. Nobody can teach you what meditation is. However long bearded the gentleman is, or whatever strange garments he may wear. But to find out for yourself. And stand by what you find out for yourself. And not depend on anybody. So for that one must understand very carefully the meaning of that word. Which means to measure, basically. What does that imply? From the ancient Greeks to modern times, measurement in engineering is essential, right? The whole technological world of the West, Northern West rather, is based on measurement, right? You cannot possibly put together a bridge without measurement, or build a marvellous hundred storeys high building without measurement. And also, inwardly, we are always measuring. I have been, I will be. Right? I am this, I have been this, I must be that. Right? Which is not only measurement, but comparison. Measurement is comparison. You are tall, I am short, or I am tall, or you are short. I am light and you are brown. You follow? Measurement. So, to understand the meaning of measurement, and the two words, better and more. To understand those two words, and never use those two words, better and more, inwardly. You understand all this? Are you doing it now, as we are talking together? You have understood the meaning of that word, meditation. To consider together, it's too, I won't go into more of it. To consider together, not I consider and I'm right, 
but together consider. That means you and I are willing to let go our own prejudices of consider. And also it means to think over together. And to see the depth of the world measure. Right? We've gone touched it briefly. I can go into much more. I don't want to go into details. <coughs> but to see the meaning of that. So when the mind is when the brain is free of measurement, you understand? Becoming is a measurement. So, for the brain to be free of measurement, you understand what has happened when you are free, when the brain is free of measurement? The very brain cells which have been used to measurement, conditioned by measurement, is, has suddenly awakened <coughs> to the truth, to the fact that measurement is destructive, psychologically. Therefore, the very brain cells have undergone a mutation. Get it? I wonder if you understand this. Hmm? You, may I repeat that, if you are not clear? Once brain has been accustomed to go in a certain direction, right? Let's say our brains have been accustomed to going north, northeast. And you think that's the only way <coughs> to whatever there is at the end of it. <coughs> what is at the end of it is what you invent, naturally. But some, you come along and tell me. That direction, northeast, will lead you nowhere. I resist. I say, no, you are wrong. All the tradition, all the great writers, all the great saints, and blah, 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 say, you are wrong. Which means, you really haven't investigated, but you are quoting somebody else. Right? Which means, you are resisting. So. The man says to me, Don't resist. Listen to what I'm saying. Listen to what you are thinking, what your reaction is, and also to what I'm saying. So listen to the both. And to listen both you must give attention. Which means space. Right? So to find out whether you can live daily life. <coughs> Not at moments of peculiar meditation, <coughs> but to find out if you can live a daily life without measurement. You understand what the implication of that is? Never to use the word better. The more I am, the more I am better than I was yesterday. Of silly nonsense. I'm less angry. I've got. I've disciplined myself a little more today. You understand? This is what we are all doing in various categories. So, 
to live a life without any sense of measurement. That is meditation. To think together, right? To ponder together, to be concerned together, together to have no measurement. You understand, sir? Except of course, when you buy a suit or when you buy the car, you have to measure. You have to look at various models and so on. <coughs> so meditation implies. A sense of deep understanding of that very word and the very understanding, the perception, the insight into that word is the action which is to end measurement, psychological measurement. You and are we doing this or are we just playing with this? First of all, don't we measure? If we are honest to ourselves, aren't we measuring always? Hmm? Obviously. I was rich, I was poor, now I am rich. I have understood now, but I have not understood before. Right? Which is such nonsense. Because you didn't pay attention at the beginning. Now you are being forced to pay attention. You follow? And so, to live a daily life without comparison, psychologically, without measurement. Which means the brain cells which have been accustomed to. <coughs> All its life to measure a suddenly ended measurement. Therefore, there is a mutation in the brain cells, right? You may not do it, but see the fact, the logical, intellectual fact. It's like your, your brain is mechanical, obviously, there is no question about it. Responding to various programs, various propaganda, and so on. Your brain has, one's brain has become mechanical, routine. Go to the office from 9.30 to 10.05, or 9 to 5, to the office, to the. and so on, so on, so on. So your brain, its cells have been conditioned. And to break that condition instantly, not through evolution time, is to listen to something that is totally new. That is no measurement, psychologically. Therefore, when you see without any resistance to, of that fact, then that very perception brings about a radical 
change in the very structure of the self. The third extract is from the second talk at Brockwood Park in 1972, titled Measurement Brings Fragmentation. Religions throughout the world, apart from their absurdities and superstitions, beliefs, rituals, gurus and all that nonsense, apart from that, Religions have maintained that there is a God, a reality, which, if you enter into that reality, only then you can see the whole of life, life as a whole in which there is no division, as you and me, we and they, and all the rest of it. Division exists only where there is measurement. Measurement is comparison. And comparison is the movement of thought. So thought is measurable, comparative, the more, the less, the better, and so on. And it is only a mind that, ha- that is free from measurement that has, that can see life as a whole. I wonder if I'm conveying this. Right, sir? How is one then to be free of measurement and yet use measurement? It's necessary. Measurement being knowledge, experience, the vast accumulation of memory, conscious as well as unconscious. All that is measurement, because it's the product of thought. And where there is measurement, there is fragmentation. That is, I am not happy, but I will be happy. I am ugly, but I will be beautiful. This constant comparison, this constant measurement makes one feel superior or inferior, or lonely, or expensive ideological unity. 
And can the mind, which is so heavily conditioned in measurement, because after all, the whole of science, mathematics, the way we live is based on measurement. And is it possible for the mind to learn to live without measurement? So that the mind never compares. Because comparison is brings about fear and pleasure. Are we meeting each other, or is this...? Because, as we said yesterday, we are learning together, because the speaker happens to sit on a little platform, a little higher than you are sitting, which is only for convenience, doesn't make him into an authority. doesn't make him something special. What we are trying to do together is to learn, to learn about a mind that is free from measurement and therefore free from fear. Free and therefore free from this constant struggle to be or to become something. Hmm? And it is this measurement, which is thought, that brings about fragmentation. I see that. Not as an idea, not as a theory, but an, as an actuality in, in my life, in one's living. I haven't learned it from somebody else. If I learn it from somebody else, it is his learning, not mine. And when I learn it, it is neither yours nor mine, it is a state of learning. Hmm? And therefore all authority ceases. Then our relationship is entirely different. Then we are walking on the same road, with the same intensity, with the same vitality the same passion to learn. If we could establish that between the man sitting on the plat- little platform and you, then our relationship in communication and learning is entirely different.
because all our conditioning is one of the factors of authority. You know, I don't know. You are enlightened, I am not. You are my guru and I am your disciple. Tell me, teach me. I will learn from you. I put you uh, on a pedestal, worship you, because you, I think you know. I don't know what you know, but I think you know. <laughs> no, please, it's very important, because what is happening in the world is more and more gurus are springing up. <laughs> Before it was the Church, with their priests, with their rigmaroles, and now it is these gurus coming in, <laughs> replacing them, which is again a factor of division. Your guru and my guru. Your guru knows much more than my guru does. <laughs> you know, all that tummy rot that goes on. So, when we are learning together, there is no division and therefore there is no authority. That's a marvellous thing, you know, if, if one really sees that. Because then we teach each other, we learn from each other. There is no you who has who is the teacher and me as the disciple. And in that learning there's great beauty. Because in that there is real companionship and therefore there is real love. You understand all this? So what we are trying to learn, not trying, what we are learning is whether the mind can learn to live totally, which means it has no quality of measurement at all. I'm only putting this thing differently from yesterday. Which yesterday we said, thought has its right place, and it thought that thought can be used only efficiently, sanely, reasonably, logically and healthily when there is freedom from thought. And thought, we are saying this morning differently, is measurement. And our, all Western civilization is based on measurement. And they have tried to escape from that by or through religious concepts, which again is, is the product of measurement. Right? 
And what we are trying, what we are doing is trying to find out, learning, whether the mind can be free altogether from fragmentation and therefore look at life, act as a whole healthy human entity without any fragmentation. Because that requires, if I may use the word religion in the right (coughs) sense of that word, it is what religions have tried to do, not organize religions, not with their priests and you know all that hierarchical rubbish, but the real religious mind has tried to do this. Which is, it says, absolute freedom is only possible when there is no movement of thought. The movement of thought is fragmentation, and the movement of thought is necessary. But not in the not when the mind is in a state in which there is no measurement at all. Only the which means the immeasurable. Right? I wonder if I'm convinced. Now how is one how do you learn this? You understand my question? I see my life fragmented, that's a fact. And I see the futility of integrating the fragments. I see contradiction in these fragments, conscious as well as unconscious. And I have tried various methods, means, systems, to bring about a unity in all that. And I can play that game endlessly till I die. And I haven't learned a thing, because basically thought is in operation in all this. Yeah? I want to f- find out, I want to learn the mind wants to find out and learn a dimension in which the immeasurable, that is, the state of mind which, is, which has no measurement at all, and therefore no me, which is measurement. You understand? The moment I have the me, there is the you. The me is the product of thought. The me, as an idea, gives security. 
and thought is seeking all the time security. And seeking security in a belief in dogma, in, a, in any form of neuroticism, gives it security. Right? It is neurotic to believe in God. All right, I'll plunge into it. Because you know nothing about God. You only know because, or you think you know, because you are conditioned. The communist doesn't believe in God. He said, what are you talking about? And God can be approached through a process of time, through perfection, through this ideal of always becoming more and more and more and more perfect. And you have established a pattern, a ladder, on which you are always climbing. And all that structure is the product of thought, obviously. Now, if one has an insight into that, now, as you are sitting there, if you have an insight into this, not induced by the speaker, but see it for yourself, then you are out of time. Because time is, is part of thinking, and times has said, thought has said, I will find gradually the state where there will be a non-fragmentation. So thought seeking security all the time, physical as well as psychological, conscious or unconscious, has established for itself various beliefs, dogmas, superstitions, neurotic activities, and is caught in that. It has become a habit. Now, can one break that habit without effort? Because the moment you make an effort, you're back again. There is contradiction in that. There is a duality in that. The one that sees it must be broken and makes an effort. But the one who sees it must be broken is the thinker. The thinker is thought, 
There is no thinker without thought. Now, to have an insight into that now, instantly, is to break it, is to break the chain of habit. To be aware of all this the whole movement of thought. And one can be aware of it only when you don't condemn it, when you observe. And to observe without the observer, because the observer is the entity who says, this I will keep, this I won't keep. This is right, this is wrong, this should be, this should not be. He's always comparing. The observer is the, me- is the entity that measures. The fourth extract is from the third question and answer meeting in Ojai, 1982, titled Where there is measurement, there is no spirituality. First question in this is, do levels of spirituality or levels in consciousness exist? That is, is one more spiritual than the other? You, you understand? The more that is, is one nearer truth than the other fellow. Now, what is the meaning of the word more? The more is a measurement, isn't it? I am this, I will be more rich tomorrow. Or I am violent now, but I will not be violent another week's time. So the mind is always measuring. I am tall, you are short. You're fair, somebody's black, somebody's yellow, somebody's pink. Measurement. That is, measurement is comparison. And the word measure also plays part in meditation. Measure, measurement and meditation are related. Please, it's very important if you want to understand this. Why do human beings measure? Not for clothes, I'm not talking about that. Psychologically, inwardly, why do we want to measure ourselves with somebody? That is, the measurement of what is and what towards what should be. You follow this? 
I have I am not good today but give me time I will be good which is the allowing of time interval is the measure you follow me are we together in this when I have the concept of psychological time I must that time implies measurement. You get this? So, the questioner says, is there in spirituality, whatever that word may mean for the moment, we are using the ordinary sense of that word, the accepted sense of that word, is there in spirituality, a measurement. Where there is measurement, there is no spirituality. Right? A guru, a TA, a, a bishop, and so on, so on, so on, so on. There is this concept. This idea that someone is nearer God, nearer truth, God, I don't mean God, nearer truth. And, and he has achieved something, and I have to achieve that, and to achieve that I must have time, and I must measure myself every day. Right? And this is obviously so utterly mundane, utterly physical. That is, I am a clerk in an office and perhaps next year I will be a superior clerk and fourth year I will be, ten years later I will be executive. It is the same movement carried over into this, into this psychological area. And that, and so, there is the the nearest disciple, and the novitiate right there. The final extract in this episode is from Krishnamurti's seventh talk in Sanan, 1978, titled Attention is Freedom from Measurement. So, attention is freedom from every form of evaluation measurement. Because in that there is no center. I don't know if you have discovered it for yourself. If you attend completely to something, there is no center. There is no me being attentive. That's too silly. If you see that, I mean, see the facts of it, then you realize. There is no practice. 
There is no system to be aware, to attend, to concentrate. That's all again so extraordinarily silly. Moment you see, understand this whole business of attention, of awareness, concentration, and attention, then you are attentive. That attention may last two seconds or five minutes, and you may lose that attention. But don't go back and say, I must be attentive. You say, attention came because you knew what it means. You follow? There was an understanding, a deep understanding, not intellectual, of what attention is. It, was, it came naturally. But if you begin to say, I must have constant attention during the day, you are being terribly greedy. And it becomes non, it's no longer attention. It's a desire to have something which you call attention. So, when there is such attention, the mind, because there is no centre from which to attend, the mind is completely quiet. Not that you train the mind to be quiet, which, which all of them practice, to be quiet. All we all often, when I heard this phrase, I must have peace of mind. Hmm? They'll have a peace of mind, but it's not peace. You understand? They're just a little piece of something. So, when there is complete order in our life, which is the beginning of meditation, and one understands the nature of awareness, concentration and attention, then all effort has come to an end. All effort. When you put everything in order, there is no effort. So the mind becomes extraordinarily quiet, uninvited, not cultivated, something totally new. And religion, not this nonsense that's going on around us with all their priests and ceremonies and all that circus that goes on, then religion means the ending of the self, the me. It's only then that can mind can be absolutely, irrevocably quiet. And therefore, silent, which means the ending of thought as time and measure. Then if, you, if the mind has gone that far, In that silence, 
which is vast space and energy, that is totally a state which is not, which cannot be put into words. But if you put everything in order and so on, it will come to you without your invitation. You, can, you cannot invite truth. There is no path to truth. There is no intermediary or gateway or anything between you and truth. You have to come. It has to if the field is right, then that thing comes to you with such glory. That is ecstasy. In that there is great sacredness. That is holy. 